Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Hollywood Speaks podcast, the podcast where you guessed it, Hollywood Speaks. On today's episode, a very special episode, the very first episode of 2024, season two, I am chatting with financial advisor and business consultant Ryan Purdy today. He works with all business owners with their finances and helps them find protection, and he also also works with many creatives so we chat about how you can find just comfort and knowledge with your own finances i found this episode to be super encouraging whether you find the topic of budgeting and finances to be something you're familiar with and comfortable with or whether it makes you nervous i promise you will find this episode so encouraging and full of knowledge and wisdom that you didn't already know so i am personally very excited for this episode to be released because i truly just found it so encouraging so i'm excited for you to be empowered with your finances let's just jump right into this conversation with ryan purdy Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Hollywood Speaks podcast. I am here today with Ryan Purdy. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm good. So glad you're here today to chat all things finance and budgeting. Thank you for having me. Of course. So let's just jump right in. Um, How did you become interested in working in your fields in the financial industry? Well, um, it started probably when I was in high school. Um, I'm the, the type of individual where numbers just kind of bounce around my head and it's, uh, it's easy for me. It's easy to grasp. And I've always been really, really good at math and things like that. Um, but like so many people, I, I didn't really exactly have a vision of what it was that I wanted to do. And so I kind of bounced around various jobs and mostly in sales, uh, trying to figure out what exactly it was that I wanted to do. And I stumbled across uh, another individual in this industry who uh, I wowed with an interview and he decided to take me under his wing and help me get into the, the business. And, and that eventually is what started me on my own path to, to business ownership. Um, but it was honestly kind of dumb luck that I even really fell into it. I love that. And you work with just business owners and some creatives, correct? That's correct. I would say my my most of my clients are just what you would consider brick and mortar type of business owners. And uh, about 30% of my client base is now in the, the creative industry and growing. Very cool. That's awesome. So lots of entrepreneurial energy around you. Nothing but. I love that. That's incredible. So are you been a fan of like the show Shark Tank? Is that something that you enjoy? Or you're like, I've had enough entrepreneurs, I need a break. <laughs> you know, I, I did watch Shark Tank for probably the first nine seasons. It was something that I was very interested in, probably more for the products that were coming out, uh, because the ingenuity of some of these things is, is, is awesome. But I, I think Shark Tank is a great show for people who are interested in being in business, because of all of the things they talk about during the interview process. And things that you would have to know and understand. Um, most business owners don't have the opportunity to learn how to be a business owner. And I think Shark Tank kind of opens the window just a little bit, obviously not that much, but it opens it a little bit for people to kind of get a, a an idea of what it is that you have to know and think about. That's so true. I do find it so fascinating. And 
the questions definitely are very thought-provoking. Um, it's a fun little show. I agree. It is. So obviously you work with business owners and with an increasing amount of creatives. So obviously many creatives are working with kind of more of an erratic income. It's not perhaps more expected. Um, it could change from month to month. And for many people, many of my listeners on this podcast, they live paycheck to paycheck where it can be pretty difficult to know how to steward their money and how to budget efficiently in sort of a very bare bones, basic approach. What would you say would be your first practices tips for any listeners who are wanting to steward their money better, but aren't quite sure how to do it when their income is not the same every month? That's a great question. And to, to boil it down to bare bones is, is pretty difficult because the financial area um, for most people is, is pretty expansive. But I'll, I'm going to take that into two different directions. So one I will say is that um, many people in the financial industry talk about emergency accounts mm -hmm. to where you would have six months of expenses kind of cubbyholed into a bank account, more like a savings account that doesn't have a debit card, doesn't have a checkbook, and it's just sitting off onto the side to kind of get you through any ups and downs. I think for creative people, that's probably more important than maybe the, the regular analytical mind uh, because the income does vary so much. So I think finding a way to get that account where you have six months of expenses really, really is a priority. The other area that I would say is that creatives are really, really good at finding a process for how they make their content, whether it's paintings, st stitching, um, music, whatever it is, they almost always have a process where they'll kind of back up and they'll say, okay, this is the state of mind I need to be in, in order to be creative. This is the, whether it's a quiet room or a Starbucks or on the subway, right? right? Whatever it is that they're doing, they have a process. Finding a process for your finance is also extremely important. So it could be using a spreadsheet to budget so that you understand not only all your bills, but what the amounts are, when they're due, and something you can kind of look at. I think it's just really, really important you find a process that works for you to kind of focus in on that so that you always have something to go back to. It doesn't have to feel so out in the open or just unknown. You know, you can, you can really hone in on it just like you do your craft. So I think if you practice your financial life, like you do your creative life, I think you'll find a, a, a happier balance in there. I love that. That's such great advice. There's that weird dichotomy where you think, oh, if this thing scares me. I'm just going to sweep it under the rug and it's going to make it less scary when it actually does the opposite. The more you ignore your bank account, the scarier it it seems, and then you look at it and you're like, oh, that's not so bad. But the more you let yourself become aware of it, like have a relationship with it, the less scary it is because you know what's going on. You don't have to be like, what's happening? Right. Ah! <laughs> you know, and it's kind of like for somebody who has social anxiety, if you think about it from a social anxiety perspective, if you walk by a crowded restaurant, somebody who has social anxiety that's never been in that restaurant is going to see inside the windows and decide that day they're not going in there right. for lots of various reasons. But maybe they pass by it on a day where there's one or two people in there and it's something they've wanted to try. So they'll go in, they'll venture in. And now it becomes a regular place. Mm. And so now, even if you have social anxiety, you go in there, even if it's busy, because you know 
the people that work there, you know, the menu, you know, all of those other factors have kind of been eliminated from the part that makes you anxious. And so if you kind of dive into your finances, then you'll have a lot less anxiety about it if you can just work through those other areas. That's so good. Do you find that for your creative clients, there are some commonalities when it comes to some safe ways they dive into their finances? I'm not sure there's really much commonality because I I think one of the things that separates creatives from other mind types is that they're all different and or special in their own particular way. So I think how they cope with, uh, with certain areas is also a little bit different. I think the ones that are most successful are the ones that are willing to kind of dive into it mm. where even if they have questions and they don't understand it, they'll still try. Uh, one of my, my creative clients, he's a, uh, he calls himself Christian famous. Mm. Um, he's, he has no fear. He doesn't understand any of it. Like even after all of these years, he still doesn't understand it, but he has zero fear going into it. If he has a question, he takes it head on, he'll call me and we kind of work through it, mm-hmm. uh, but he doesn't leave it in the dark. Yeah. So I, I think that's a, that's a great trait that he has that not all creatives have. So I, I, I'm not sure there's exactly a commonality amongst it, but I, I think that's a, an attribute yeah. that would be helpful for creatives. I love that. So kind of it seems like the, the advice here for creatives is to one, dive in and don't let it become this like unknown monster under the bed. And then two, to ask questions and not be afraid to do so, whether it be research, books, people you respect, people who maybe are in the industry of finance you can talk to. Um, yeah, I think that's that's super helpful to think through. I, I think that you, you pretty much summed it up exactly the way I was trying to. So good job. Thank you. Um, but I, I think for, uh, for the creatives, finding a resource is also going to be extremely helpful because if you're not familiar with finances and you don't really know how to tackle it, you do need help. Right. So finding somebody that you can trust and, and confide in to help walk you through is, is a, a huge, would be a huge plus. So like a business coach or something like that, would you say? Certainly it's a, it's one place to go. Uh, business coaches can be pretty expensive. Right. So that, that might be a difficult area to jump in right away. Probably maybe a bookkeeper um, that, that's kind of already in the numbers industry. Having somebody that can help you with that part would be a little less money out of pocket right. to get, uh, to get started and they would have some knowledge. And then as you, you know, you grow your, your financial base, then work your way up to a CPA, an attorney, a yeah. business coach, things like that. But just kind of baby step it. Um, totally. But just don't try and go it alone, I think is really ultimately what I'm saying. Don't go out yeah. alone. That's so good. I think one thing that I've noticed since living in Los Angeles and having majority creative friends is um, this kind of poverty mindset of I live paycheck to paycheck, so I can't save or I don't have anything. And I was in an Uber a couple months ago and this man was telling me about how he doesn't make a lot of money and he's an Uber driver and he yet saves every day. And he said that he actually learned this on TikTok, but um, he said that I, I forget the exact process but it was something to the extent of he saves a dollar a day and then I think it was like on a certain day of the week he doubled that and then 
on a certain day of the month, he tripled that basically to where it grew um, in time to where I think he said something to the extent of after a year, he had saved thousands of dollars. But it felt very doable when he began because he was like, a dollar, I can do that. Like, what's a dollar? And um, it was really cool because I feel like that really challenges the idea of I need every dollar I can't save. But it seems, and I would agree with this, that anyone can save. It's just a matter of how much maybe curious your thoughts on that well that kind of winds back to my original comment was this individual found a process that worked for him Mm -hmm. so you know being in the gig industry he's getting paid daily so finding a way to save daily and then you know have markers i'm sure he knows certain days of the week are going to be busier for him than others so that's a good day for him to double it and then there might be times during the month where uh, it's holidays or whatever where his business is or his income is a lot higher and so he found a system where he can triple it Mm -hmm. so understanding a process and understanding your own income and and or limitations that's that's a great that's great he found a process that works for him yeah totally and then kind of on the same vein of savings i'm curious your thoughts so for someone who's new to building savings having a savings account um, would, do you recommend someone diving into, you know, mutual funds, stocks, or, you know, high yield savings accounts for a beginner or just a, you know, basic savings process? What do you recommend? Maybe it's different for everyone. It is going to be different for everybody and, um, stocks, mutual funds, high yield savings accounts, all those types of things. Those are very specific to a, an individual's current financial condition. So going back to where we started, if we're if we have somebody who has yet to achieve six months worth of emergency funds, then the answer to that is no to all of it. Mm. Um, high yield high yield savings accounts are typically something that gets locked up. Right. Even if it's for a short period of time, it's not something you can access on the ready. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't been able to save some money off to the side yet, you're not ready for high high yield accounts. Mm. Um, if you haven't been able to save that money off to the side, you're not ready for stocks and mutual funds because those fluctuate with the the economy and the stock right. market. So if you don't have the ability to ride the ups and the downs, you're not ready for those types of investments. Mm-hmm. Now, once you've graduated and you have some money set aside and you understand your income ups and downs, then obviously, yes, stock market, yeah. high yield savings accounts, those are all great because ultimately that's what's going to drive wealth and wealth building. Mm-hmm. You know, over the course of the stock market, we all know that it does go up and it goes down, but right. over over its history, it's up significantly. Mm-hmm. So that is where, you know, most wealth is built either mm-hmm. through investments or inventing, you know, investment, investing, that's how inventing, that's how people get rich in America. So um, you, I think you kind of have to graduate to that first though. Right. That makes sense. So then would you say the first level of savings would just be to keep it in a and then just a bank account and or a savings account it is and un- unfortunately the savings um the interest that you get off regular savings accounts it's below inflation right so technically you are losing money by doing that uh but that is somewhere you have to start especially when your income is so different month to month mm-hmm. you just you have to have those funds readily available to you right. um, i always recommend that be in an account that's not at your normal bank account mm-hmm. um so like if you bank at bank of america 
set up a savings account at Chase. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't have a debit card. Don't have a checkbook associated with it. Make it to where you really have to want that money. Mm-hmm. You have to go into the branch and withdraw it. That way it takes the impulse buying out of um, the equation and it becomes truly what it's meant for, which is mm-hmm. you don't have any income this month, but you've been saving for it. And now I have to pay my rent or my car payment. So I'm going to go into Chase. I'm going to get the money to do that. Mm-hmm. That's good. So I'm sure you've heard of this. I don't know if you would really call it a website or an app, but it seems like there's more and more of these nowadays. These The website called Acorns that claims to help individuals who are new to investments get started. Do you recommend Acorns or things similar to that? Or do you feel like it's best to just kind of invest on your own and not utilize a third party? So using a third party, whether it's an app or um, a money manager, things like that, I, I highly suggest using a third party because investing is a full-time job. Mm-hmm. And the, the upside to things like Acorn is it helps people get in at a monetary level where having a money manager um, wouldn't allow. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you a, for instance, I work with an individual in Scottsdale and he will not take an, uh, an account lower than $1 million. Mm-hmm. And that's <clears throat> as he's, as he's gotten uh, better at his job, you know, that, that account balance has increased up to the million. He used to take clients at a hundred thousand, but they all set some sort of minimum that they're willing to take on companies like Acorn and Robinhood and things like that. They allow the, uh, the, the more fresh investor to be able to get in and buy fractional uh, portions of stocks and things like that. So I, I think that's, I think that part is what's beneficial. Mm-hmm. The downside to it is you'll get a couple of wins and then you think you know what you're really doing. Mm-hmm. And that's not the reality of investing. Investing is a full-time job. And because un- you have to understand the market, you have to understand the trends, you have to understand sectors, right. and you have to understand the difference between stocks and mutual funds or mutual funds that are stock funds or mutual funds that are bond funds and how they correlate to interest rates in the economy and all of those different things to be truly successful at it. And if you're not doing that full time, you can't be successful. Mm-hmm. You might have a win here and a win there, but ultimately over the long run, it's not going to help. So I think it's a great place to start, um, but it encourages day trading and day trading is also a way to lose big in the stock market. It's almost like trading secu- uh, commodities. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if that's your only form of investing, then I would not be a fan of it. Mm-hmm. If it's something that you supplement with, or uh, you have enough income where you can kind of play around uh, almost like going to a casino, then that's fine as long as you understand your limitations and, and you're you're not doing more than you really can. Um, but when you get to a point where you're actually investing a regular amount of money, you're better off having a professional do that for you. Somebody who understands the industry and is, has their eye on it all the time. You do what you're good at, let them do what they're good at. That makes sense. So it's a good beginner, but don't get too cocky with it. Definitely not. Especially if you hit a couple of home runs right out the gate. Yeah. Just blame it on the acorns. That's right. (laughs) That's so great. And then in terms of just kind of more basic money management tips, what would be, you know, one to two base level overview tips you might share with um, any listeners? Record keeping is one of the things that um, is extremely important. You get a receipt everywhere you go, everything you buy, you get a receipt, or at least you can. 
get a receipt for. And I recommend keeping all of it, even if you don't think it's useful or pertains to anything that you've done. And then just make a little note on the back of it. Now, some of these things you'll be able to deduct when you have income uh, and other things you won't. But I think the, the record keeping and the note keeping of those records is vital because it'll help in a couple of areas. Number one, it'll help lower your tax bill on income that you receive that is truly deductible. But number two, it'll also help you uh, to be able to kind of create a mind frame of how much money you're wasting mm-hmm. while you're out there. Yeah. So if you have all of these things that you're doing that aren't necessarily supporting your income and supporting your business, you'll find out how much waste you have mm-hmm. in your your normal spending habits. And I think it could be a way to kind of help you corral that idea. So I, I think record keeping and, and receipt keeping is is probably top especially for the creative mind, is, is going to be at the top there. That's great. My dad is clapping right now. He is the king of that. <laughs> and I'm sure he's listening. So, dad, you taught me well. <laughs> yes, he did. Do you feel or do you find that you keep your receipts in like a folder or do you just kind of, I don't know, one of my friends just stashes them in her glove box in her car. Um, do you feel like, okay, here is the best way to keep these organized so that whenever tax season comes, you're not just like, where'd those receipts go? Do you have any tips with that? Well, I'm, I'm an extremely analytical mind. I'm not a creative mind at all. So uh, I probably go to a little bit of an extreme. I have a folder for each month mm. and then I keep all the receipts, my bank statements, my credit card statements in that folder. And then I scan those in at the end of the month as another solid uh, PDF. So then I wind up with 12 PDF files at the end of the year. And then I combine those into a single one to provide to my bookkeeper. Um, And then I take all of those paper receipts and I store them in laminated um, vacuum sealed bags so that the ink doesn't wear off. Smart. And then I keep them in a nether folder by the year and I keep those in a container in my closet. And I, you know, those for me go back 15 years. So that's probably way more record keeping than the average person should do, but that's the system that works for me. Um, again, going back to find a system that works for you. Uh, a shoebox is not a great method because that doesn't really break it down by month and books should be done by month. Record keeping should be done monthly. So I think finding some sort of system where you can adhere to it and keep everything separated is probably what's going to work best. Uh, I don't recommend the shoebox. I don't recommend the glove box either. Um, plus, they get damaged in that that format as well. Once the ink starts to wear off after a couple of years, your record keeping that you thought you were keeping pristine is no longer useless, legible. Right. Yeah. That's great advice. I really love the idea of doing it as a monthly practice, kind of like when you're paying your bills or you're checking your statements, just adding that in and scanning in your receipts because I know for me, I, as my dad has advised, I keep my receipts, but I definitely very commonly at the end of the year when I'm doing my taxes come to find most of them have, the ink has weared off or somehow they're illegible. Um, And so I really like the idea of scanning it. And I do know that if you have an iPhone, if you open your notes app, you can scan on your notes app, which is super easy and user friendly. If you have a Mac, you can always just like, you know, airdrop from your phone to your Mac and then put it into a PDF. So I feel like that would be super doable, not take a lot of time. Um, And I feel like that would probably combine forces with just, again, like you mentioned, 
going back to your budgeting and realizing, you know, wow, this is a lot of Uber Eats receipts that I have here. Hmm, maybe next month that should be decreasing. Yes, especially if your income is so, you know, uh, wild from month to month and, and budgeting is difficult. All those little things that you don't even think about, like Starbucks, you know, paying six. The, the wealthiest people say you should not be spending six or seven dollars on a coffee at Starbucks. But, you know, we're, we all have our indulgences. Totally. Yes. And kind of along that note, what I feel like there's this such interesting line, and I know it's different for everyone, when it comes to being a good steward of your money, but also leaving room for enjoying your life and doing so in a way that is, of course, responsible. I'm sure that looks different for everyone, but what does that look like for either yourself or for your clients? What do you find is kind of a practice or a way to find that rhythm for oneself? Well, you know, you're right. It is, it is different for everybody. And, and even though I'm an extremely analytical mind, I have, I have kind of changed my habits over the years where I, I no longer really buy stuff anymore. Uh, if I'm, if I'm out shopping for something, it's definitely something that I need, you know, the piece of furniture broke or my clothes are no longer presentable. Mm -hmm. So I have, I'm actually replacing something with it. I spend most of my money on experiences now. Um, It's whether it's going out to dinner with my, my kids and my wife or going on a vacation. Um, And and so I, I think when you, when you spend your free money on experiences, it's a little bit easier to budget because you know, going into it, well, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and you you know how much money you have to spend. Whereas you're buying it on stuff. It's, I think it's a little harder to stay kind of in tune with how much you're actually spending Mm -hmm. um, because so much of it's just impulse. Yes. Um, Whereas if you're doing experiences, they're usually planned. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, the, the budget around that planning kind of falls a little more in line with it as well. Um, it, it, that's going a little bit against the norm. Now, the younger generation does love the experiences. So maybe the, maybe the, the younger generation that, that kind of will click to a little bit more, whereas people in my age group tend to accumulate stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of the American way. So we, we buy a bigger house so that we can buy more stuff. Um, I'm, trying to get to a smaller house so I can have less stuff and enjoy more experience. I agree. I feel like experiences, they kind of keep giving because you have these memories and you can call back to different stories and times that you went here and there. Absolutely. We're all still going to need stuff, but one of the stuff that you can keep those memories tight in is like you mentioned, an iPhone. Yeah. You take lots of pictures and it's always something that you'll have to look back on. Even when you can't remember all of the details vividly, you'll always have those pictures or videos and memories with your family and that's that's worth way more than any stuff you can accumulate. I love that. That's awesome. Kind of on a different note, one thing that I wanted to ask is your thoughts on credit cards. I was actually talking to my roommate about this last night because kind of like you were just saying, I really one of my goals for this year is to travel more. Um, my family does not live in California and my I have some friends from college who are long distance and are now having kids and getting married. And I just find that traveling, especially airfare, is obviously not cheap, but also a large part of how I want to spend my money this year. And that being said, I have always kind of been on the mindset or been taught of like this, the lesser amount of credit cards, the better. So I just have like my BOA credit card, like my 
regular one that I use. And then, um, I, yeah, that's actually, that's all I have. Um, and I just use my cash back on that and it has like the three to 1% and you can pick the category. But, um, my roommate was talking about how she has, you know, a travel card that's been really helpful for her. I know there are different thoughts on like the travel card is actually not better than your typical bank, you know, card. It's just like it looks like it is because the mileage. Um, What are your thoughts on a travel card? While we're on the topic of budgeting and finances, if you have been listening to the podcast for a little while, you know that I love driver's note. And I'm not paid to talk about this. I'm just sharing about it because I've been using it before I even started this podcast. And for my first tax season as an entrepreneur and business owner, I found it to be an absolute game changer when it came to tracking my miles. Gone are the days of me having to make a new trip on my car and try and calculate how many miles I drove and calculate the new, you know, metric of mileage and all that. Now, all you have to do is download the app, which is free, and it automatically tracks your trips. You can log them as personal and business. At the end of the tax season, you can download it into a PDF, and it already calculates all the miles that you've accrued, all the dollars you accrued to save in your taxes. Makes it so easy. You can check it out and let me know what you think. Let's get back to the episode. So my my preference is always going to be cash back type of cards um, because I think the cash rewards that you would get with those would be way more useful to the majority of people than the mileage cards mm-hmm. would be. Um, especially when you find out that the mileage you accumulate on those cards actually takes a lot of spending before you can even get just a regular ticket. And I'll just give you a, for an example. I live here in Southern California. I also live part-time of the year in the state of Washington which is just a short two hour flight from LA area up to Seattle. And in order for me to get a round trip ticket, it's 70,000 miles. Um, But you have to spend close to $200,000 to get 70,000 air miles. Um, And the the plane ticket itself is only about $400. So it, you're not going to get nearly as much benefit out of it unless you either a spend a lot of money all the time, or B, travel so much that the miles really would make a difference. So I think most people would find more benefit in a cash back type of card um, because it, it goes in the form of statement credits, which helps lower the minimum payment and those types of things. So I, I think there's way more benefit in that. That's awesome. And do you recommend any certain kinds of credit cards for people to have? Or do you recommend just getting a basic one, no annual fee, if that's what, you know makes no sense for your finances what would you say in terms of that well it's that's really going to revolve around your credit and how you treat your finances so i i'm mostly in favor of a low interest if you can get it no annual fee if you can get it um, and a higher limit to where you don't feel like you have to have multiple cards and it's it's very easy to fall into the trap of well i shop at home depot a lot i don't want to waste my visa card on that so i'll get a home depot card or pottery barn or uh, target, you know, whatever department store you, if you shop there frequently, then you'll kind of be drawn to have all of these other specific cards. 
if you can get a credit card with a limit that's high enough as a Visa or MasterCard, or even American Express, um, where it kind of fits your monthly and or quarterly spending, that's going to be the best scenario. If you treat your credit well, then you'll be able to get a lower interest rate. And if you also have good credit, then you can get it without an annual fee. That's pretty much where I would try and stick. Awesome. But you do have to treat your credit well. If you're not making your payments and you miss payments and your your credit score decreases, those aren't going to be options that are available to you. Totally. Um, I personally have not used it, but I know my roommate has the Apple card. Um, I don't know if you have that or if you know much about it, but she was sharing with me and I it seemed like a really good option for someone who maybe struggles to you know, overspend with credit or even just needs to have that tangibly visible because she was sharing and showing me how your, you know, amount that you've spent and the amount that you need to pay off and the amount that you would need, like if you're about to go in the red and like going into interest, it starts to warn you. Um, And you can see like with each month, you know, how many, you know, purchases you made in each category. And it just seemed like very helpful and like, user-friendly and not like trying to hide and confuse you to make you pay interest. It seemed very open. And I don't have that card, but I was like, oh, I could see it being helpful for someone who either A, has dealt with credit debt in the past, or B, is new to a credit card lifestyle and needs to have that tangibly in front of them on their phone. Um, would you agree with that? Or do you have like a um, any thoughts on kind of that process? I do agree with that. And, and having a tangible, visible uh, area for, for people to refer to is definitely helpful. What Apple has done is they've taken a, a service and a process that every credit card issuer has, but they don't necessarily have it available through their app. They have it on the desktop version. And Apple has kind of pulled that into their app. So they've pretty much stolen that um, that process from other large credit card manu- uh, providers. So if you if you take like Chase again, um, or Citi, actually is probably a better example because I have a Citi card. If you go into Citi on the online desktop version, you will find all of those tools and more. It's all right there. But when you log in through their app, it's very limited on the the information you can see. So if, if your phone is your main course of information, then the Apple card probably is going to be a little bit better option. Um, but historically speaking, if you use a laptop or a, a desktop version, um, I think you'll find the, the card issuers in other areas are probably better than the Apple card would be as an issuer. Totally. But you just have to have different areas where you gather your information. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, cool. Well, to kind of wrap up what we discussed so far, um, we talked about, you know, first of all, you know, not letting your finances be this monster under the bed, but like looking at them, getting familiar with them, keeping yourself aware of your spending, bookkeeping, keeping your receipts, um, scanning them in monthly, being mindful of how you're spending and changing accordingly as the months go by, being sure to work with someone who can hold you accountable, whether it be someone who's knowledgeable about finance or you know, an accountant if you're at that level, but just not doing it alone. And then we talked about how important it is to have about six months of savings prepared. And if you don't, then to really just keep your savings in like 
a savings account separate from your bank or just more basic bare bones. And then we discussed briefly credit cards and just keeping it simple and keeping your spending, of course, um, below your means so you're not getting into debt. Absolutely. Do you have anything to add to that before we close out? No, I, I think you summed up pretty much everything that we talked about. So I, I, I think that's uh, I think that's a good spot. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ryan, for sharing your knowledge with us. I know this will be so helpful and educational for our listeners as I know finances can be an overwhelming topic. So I really appreciate your taking your time to share your knowledge with us today. Absolutely. It was a pleasure to be here and I, I appreciate you you having me on. Thank you. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Hollywood Speaks podcast, the podcast where you guessed it, Hollywood Speaks. On today's episode, a very special episode, the very first episode of 2024, season two, I am chatting with financial advisor and business consultant Ryan Purdy today. He works with all business owners with their finances and helps them find protection, and he also works with many creatives so we chat about how you can find just comfort and knowledge with your own finances i found this episode to be super encouraging whether you find the topic of budgeting and finances to be something you're familiar with and comfortable with or whether it makes you nervous i promise you will find this episode so encouraging and full of knowledge and wisdom that you didn't already know so i am personally very excited for this episode to be released because i truly just found it so encouraging so i'm excited for you to be empowered with your finances let's just jump right into this conversation with ryan purdy 